Welcome to the Becoming Human Podcast. Today's guest is Sharif Rabels of Koi Khan Martial Arts Academy. With over 20 years of karate do training, Sharif is a skilled practitioner and teacher. He is more than a student of martial arts. He's a student of life with a penchant for keen observations. It was an honor to sit down with the master of karate do and understand how his motivations for training and martial arts have evolved over the years. Outside of martial arts, looking at life in general, Sharif's experience is a testament to learning the way and honing your character. I love meeting people like Sharif. He's tenacious in his pursuit of martial arts and expanding the amount of time that he can practice and rejoice with his family. He's enthusiastic about life and the challenges that it presents. After all, what else do we have? You can check out Sharif's classes at koikanwa.com. That's K-O-E-I-K-A-N-W-A. And find him on Instagram at Sharif Robles. You can find all those links in the show notes. And if you'd like to support the show, please head over to Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you happen to listen to this, and hit the subscribe button. It helps me when I'm trying to get new guests on the show, and it strengthens the community. We can make this like a church without all the church shit. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> you can also pick up a shirt or a flat bill from becominghumanpodcast.com. The threads of our shirts are woven with a special fabric that'll keep you warm. That's right. It's 100% cotton. Oh. I hope you guys enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Here's Sharif and Alfred Marillo. My name is Sharif Robles, and uh, I've been in martial arts since 1991. Uh, so this is like my, in October, it'll be my 27th year of training karate, a full contact system called Koekan Karate Do. Um, yeah, so I've been doing it for about 27 years, and uh, strange thing is, is that my teacher actually um, asked me to come train, so I never actually sought out training, um, wow. it, so it was kind of a random thing, and uh, the interesting thing is that um, that happened here in Washington, that my hometown in California, Santa Barbara, uh, the same like school asked me to train with them when I was like nine years old. And uh, so it was kind of a weird thing. Yeah. And I said, no, I wanted to focus on like football and uh, other stuff. Mm -hmm. And then it just turns out like, you know, 11 years later, one of, uh, one of the black belts from that original school in my hometown moved up to Washington started his own school and then just randomly asked me to uh to join and i did that's wild yeah so it is kind of a trip and then that original dojo in california was like right by my elementary school and uh it turns out like um there is a kid who who i went to school with his, his last name was liddell and he was uh, the the i think the younger brother of chuck liddell oh wow <laughs> and yeah. and he went to that dojo um when I was a kid and when he was 12 I think he's like a couple years older than me 
Um, and so he trained there for like 10 or 12 years, got his black belt, and then and then he moved up to San Luis Obispo, and I moved up there, and I just missed him. I just mm-hmm. missed that. But I, I started right around the time he quit mm-hmm. um, and went into MMA and kickboxing and that type of thing. But it was a, a strange coincidence. Wow, that's wild, man. Yeah. And so when you got into it, uh, were you just committed? Was it? Well, were you obsessed? Yeah, it was kind of interesting. Um, uh, you know, I kind of got into it for self protection. Um, I didn't have very much confidence in my ability to protect myself. Um, I was a, I was in college and I had these roommates and I thought they were my friends, but uh, one of my friends, this guy. Uh, we got into an argument, he punched my other roommate in the face, and then I was kind of, I like didn't know how to fight, I, I only watched like WWE, <laughs> WWE. <laughs> yeah. and so um, so I had a temper for no reason, right, I think it was just because I'm a smaller guy, but um, I took his mountain bike, and we had this little tiny apartment, and I threw it in the kitchen, and smashed it up, and <laughs> like I was just like, you're a jerk, and I threw it. <laughs> And I didn't know what I was thinking. Like, we weren't drinking mm-hmm. or anything. And then he attacked me, and he took Mount and was just, like, pounding me in the head. And I couldn't protect myself. So um, so then he felt guilty because he's like, dude, I'm kicking my friend's ass. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I just, like... We made an agreement, and he's like, well, you could hit me back once. And I yeah. was like, all right. So, <laughs> so I was like, all right. So I did a, like a, the only thing I knew, and I hit him on the head with like a double axe handle. Oh, and it did nothing. He's like, dude, you just gave me a headache, <laughs> and you're a jerk. And so it turns out like uh, uh, my parents opened a restaurant up here, and uh, I moved out from that place. And my, at the time, my uh, girlfriend I had dumped me. And so I moved up here, and martial arts was kind of like my savior. Kind of yeah. moved up here, didn't have any friends for a couple years, and uh, just went to went to train and worked for my parents. And that's kind of how it started. When you get into martial arts, was there a sense of camaraderie in martial arts? And yeah, yeah, for sure. I think um, at the time, my teacher was trying to build uh, to try to build a community, mm-hmm. right? So like. So he his uh, he was a very m- great motivator um, as far as martial arts go, and, and his uh, technique he was very technical. Mm-hmm. Um, he had been a police officer in, in Mexico and oh. done some other. St- he was kind of, yeah he was yeah. kind of one of those guys. <laughs> but uh, but uh, he was an excellent martial artist. It's just you know I, I'm not gonna say anything bad, but mm-hmm. I, I wasn't too sure if he was one of the good guys or, or, or not. Right. But um but he was a serious guy and. Uh, so I, I learned from from him, and he was a smaller guy too. And uh, but he was definitely good at um, he was definitely good at what he knew. Mm-hmm. So that was good. And um, for for a guy like that, where you're kind of like you know you don't know what kind of side of the fence he was on, um, how were you able to trust him as an instructor despite that? Yeah, for the most part. Um, you know, one thing that I learned. Um, and that you know that relationship was about 10 years mm-hmm. and Whoa. kind of um, that my first sensei and it turned out uh, 
I ended up actually purchasing this school from him oh, um, wow. after 10 years. So, right, I so became, you've been training here your whole... My whole, yeah, my oh, whole wow. time has been this place. Uh, this, this, uh, we moved last year. The original oh, school okay. was around the corner, like up the street. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, we, we kept it in the same neighborhood. But pretty much, yeah, I've been in the same school for forever. Wow. And um, so, yeah, once... Uh, we got the opportunity to, my wife and I got the opportunity to take over, um, kind of what I was like the second in command. So I pretty much grew up in the tradition of just doing what my teacher asked me to do. Mm-hmm. You know, it'd be like, Sharif, I'm hungry, go get me a sandwich. And I'd like, oh, yeah. I'm like, yeah, but I, I have, you know, I, have, I need to make my own sandwiches. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. so I bring my teacher a sandwich and, uh, but you know, I just did what he asked, and um, but I think I, after a while, I was kind of um, kind of on the inside, and mm-hmm. I worked for him, and he trusted, and we developed trusts. Um, but I also think that uh, I wasn't treated the same way as maybe the other students, that type of thing. Okay, so, um, were you? Was it what was it like taking over as the head instructor after he left, and you purchased the gym and? even moving to your new spot like what was what was it like be taking that head role after p- playing a playing sous chef yeah know? exactly um you know i thought it would be a huge opportunity um i was very optimistic very um excited about it uh you know i was kind of asked to step up to the plate and i was like hell yeah i'll do it and um and it wasn't like at the time um there weren't a whole lot of martial arts schools and like most people just weren't asked to do it and I kind of was lucky um, that year before I won um, a, the full contact title in New Jersey oh, right. um, as and back then there were no weight classes so like I could fight someone my size or someone like 6'4", 220 <laughs> right. and, wow. and it, they would smash you you know that <laughs> kind of thing um, even Chuck Liddell won one of our full contact Bogu titles I believe in 91 like Mm -hmm. when I started Um, so I won that and then I was noticed and then they kind of I was kind of chosen to take over so it's been kind of interesting in that I didn't really choose the martial arts they Mm kind of chose me yeah in a a way asked to join and then asked to take over yeah exactly so so we kind of came in as just loving the the idea of it and the community and then also um, doing whatever it took to to make sure it was still alive. Mm. So it it was definitely a struggle Mm -hmm. um, because my teacher was very different from me. So it was kind of like the opposite thinking. He was very, uh, what's it called? He was very conservative and Mm -hmm. kind of taught in an old school method. He was like 20 years older than me. So he kind of retired as well. Mm. Okay. So how did you reconcile with that? Did you have at times when you were underneath training underneath your teacher to rebel or seek um training elsewhere or to like you know i'm gonna go off on my own i don't i don't like how this guy's doing it um i was pretty loyal you were you know i think uh, of course you know uh, i started training in 91 and ufc happened in 93 Mm -hmm. and i wanted to do jujitsu right away like (laughs) but so i i would grapple with my my sensei and like I didn't know a thing, and I could, and I was better, you know, just from watching it on TV. Um, so, 
the thing was that in our style it was it was old school meant one school so it what was weird was uh we weren't we weren't necessarily allowed to go out and cross train and visit other places so i actually at first just what it wasn't encouraged Mm -hmm. so um but then um once i took over it took me about two years to actually make my own decision and travel to a school and do that and Mm -hmm. so what ended up happening um in 2002 i had knee surgery and i couldn't pivot on my foot or run um so i joined uh, at the time uh half gracie um in ballard so i did that for about two years did the morning classes and got smashed and i and i loved it you know? yeah. so like um at the time the instructor was mama zinho and he was there were like two brazilian school main schools in the area at the time and uh i really liked it um mm-hmm. So yeah, that was super cool. So I, I kind of went off on my own and uh, kind of went in anonymous. You know, I just right. wanted to be a white belt. I didn't want. Uh, I just wanted to learn and, and learn about it and and incorporate it in in my learning. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's been good. So how long have you been doing jujitsu then? Uh, like on and off. It, it's so? been off and on since 2002. So okay. it kind of like I. Like, I, I joined the school for two years and then quit for, like, four. Mm-hmm. And then it just so happened, one of my old coaches, Rodrigo, we met in a bar, and, and it was, like, the BJ Penn-Matt Hughes fight. <laughs> and, uh, we like, I was doing a huge karate seminar at my school. Yeah. And they, uh, it was, like, we were at this bar, and there was, like, 100 martial artists in there. <laughs> yeah. But I was, like, the only one that knew about it. So there were, like, 50 karate guys and like 50 jiu-jitsu guys and they were like all going for bj penn and then all the karate guys were like for matt hughes oh, that's cool. and, I, and i was like I, I saw my instructor and i was like hey how are you and he's like sharif what are you up to and and i'm like hey i i, I coach karate on the east side i have a dojo out there he's like hey i've been getting a lot of calls for jiu-jitsu and you know can we start a class over at your school and i was oh, like oh. yeah let's do it so that started in like 2006 and he started like you know friday night just one night a week and then all of a sudden there's like 20 guys and then wednesday and then monday and so he started for about two years in our school and had a really cool jiu-jitsu program going um we kind of shared the space and it, it was really nice um and then from there one of his students he started gb redmond and then it kind of exploded right so it, wow. it was pretty cool um and then i got a blue belt in in gi mm-hmm. um and then i quit again for right. uh, like three or four more years oh the blue of, belt blues yes, yeah exactly <laughs> i think i quit exactly when um, i was pretty much just doing fundamental classes and <clears throat> and just kind of just to learn the basics um but then i kind of heard of 10th planet and eddie bravo and mm-hmm. kind of was studying it online and through some of the books and then um like i think it was three years ago i kind of made the decision to i wanted to train with like the best people in the world and right. i looked up online and noticed that there was like 10th planet in vancouver and portland and i was like i want to go to portland so <laughs> yeah. we made the trek and uh one of my karate students called up phil schwartz and was like oh yeah hey my sensei wants to come visit you know what do we do and he's like oh come friday open mat 
And so uh, we drove down, we spent the afternoon, did open mat and rolled with Philly, tapped me like 20 times <laughs> in like five minutes. And I remember one of his students was like, Phil's doing work. And <laughs> I was just like fat and depressed. Mm-hmm. I was like 180. Um, just, you know, wasn't, wasn't in shape and, but I loved it. Yeah. You know? Like mm-hmm. they beat the crap out of me, but it was amazing. You know, <laughs> like I was getting like, I didn't understand the game because of, you know, my experience in the gi. So they were doing butterfly hooks and arm drags. And at the time I didn't know what was happening. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I think I puked like six times, <laughs> um, and then made a trip back to see Nathan and, mm-hmm. And that was just really amazing. You know, I, I watched him work noon class with a few students and how he taught and how he articulated his art. I, I was really impressed. And then also kind of seeing him um, teach his students in normal class with a huge group and then also in seminars, I just knew that it was something I wanted to pursue. And so for me, it was like drive six hours to train with someone for three. And to me, I saw the value in it. and. Uh, and it's kind of a trip. It's kind of come full circle. Yeah. And now he's here, and mm-hmm. um, that's that's a super cool thing. I I feel like uh, it's amazing. I'm right. Excited about it. That is really cool. Yeah, because um, yeah, we came down here for a seminar about a year ago, and that was the first time coming in this gym, and it was like, oh, this is really cool. This is really different. I didn't I didn't understand any of the like the karate or. Karate. Mm-hmm. Karate, yeah. Karate, yeah. I took two years of Japanese in high school, I know. Yeah, Anyways, awesome. uh, yeah, it's like I didn't understand the aspects of it. And then coming down here again for the classes and stuff, it's like, oh, this is actually, there's a lot more to this. And then it's also people like Stephen Thompson mm-hmm. who have really put that aspect now in mixed martial arts and have popularized it through that. I mean, it was always a focal sport in martial arts. Mm-hmm. You hear about like karate before you hear about any other martial arts almost. Yeah, for then, sure. Uh, so it's cool that it's it's in, like it's in the people's eye, more and more. Sure, I think there's like MMA fighters like like you said, Steve Thompson, Wonder yeah. Boy, and then like Machida. Yeah, Northcutt's pretty good. Even even um, you know there was like Le- Le- Leoto Machida, of course, yeah. and then even um, uh, Gunnar Nelson does a little bit, and mm-hmm. even Connor does a little bit mm-hmm. of karate. Um, but I mean, anything you put, like I was always taught there are no superior martial arts, mm-hmm. only superior theories and people. So you, so like, let's say you take like a Chuck Liddell and you put him in another system, he'll probably do really well. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You take, it's, it's the person and, and their like approach or work ethic that makes it great, not necessarily the arts. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can, you can. You can, you know, the way I would say, as long as someone's moving and doing something, it's, right. it's good. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's probably better to do it correctly and, and learn from people that do it really well. But mm-hmm. as long as people are, are making an effort, I think that's important. Mm-hmm. And what qualities do you look for in a teacher? Like, uh, I think the, you know, experience, mm-hmm. knowledge is important. Um, I think. Uh, you know, a teacher that inspires or, you know, that can can teach in a way that makes you uh, not necessarily change your beliefs, but question them, mm-hmm. right? So, like, like for me, it's something, like, I, I want to teach people um, to think, not to just think like how, how I think, mm-hmm. but to think for themselves and to 
to put them in situations where they make the appropriate decision, right? So like, um, so like I, I'm attracted to people that know themselves, and so it doesn't really matter what it is they teach, right? So it's kind of like with music, like there's some artists I love where I just love what they're saying in their voice. It doesn't really matter what they say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just into their groove or whatever. So I, that's, in a way, it's like that for teachers. It's like it, if there's a special quality about them or, or, or if they're into it, you know, that, I think that's important. Mm-hmm. And um, when you were doing uh, karate, mm-hmm. um, was that something that you thought you were going to commit your life too as martial arts or were you doing it as a recreational student uh well i i kind of moved through it pretty quickly mm-hmm. so it in the early stages i was advanced I, I mean i got my black belt in like four years and i i was asked to be a assistant teacher so like i got lucky because my my teacher had a kid at an older age so mm-hmm. he he had to leave the school so i basically worked like full time but only making like a couple hundred bucks a week yeah. but doing it all the work right like yeah. answering the call teaching the classes and then he would come and teach the main class um so i learned about it then and kind of enjoyed it i just didn't enjoy like the sales part or the mm-hmm. you know i was more interested in the relationships mm-hmm. and then you know creating friendships and then community and and kind of what what it does for people like mm-hmm. i was attracted to that and, and so having your own space right um how how did you make adjustments in order to do the things that excited you more often as an owner of a dojo um that were more in line with that. I, I find myself a little backstory, right? Like for us having like our own CBD lotion company, even my podcast, stuff like that. I love the connection, right? And um, learning about things and advocating for things that work or for like, I want to get to know you. Like the microphones could be off. Mm-hmm. I still want to get to know you. Right, right? on. And yeah, like, that makes sense. And getting to, to that point, and however, you know, there's like you putting it out there and distributing it, that is important too, and I don't want to mm-hmm. downplay that. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting to see how people um, shape that so it's more in line with what excites them. So how did you do that? So, yeah, that, that's really cool. I mean, the at first I learned my teacher system, right? So my teacher system, he learned from his teacher, and kind of it was a marketing system that they kind of borrowed from the original health club days Mm -hmm. because my teachers were all guys that basically took martial arts from like after vietnam war and world war ii and they and they kind of appropriated it (laughs) marketed it and sold it um so they were they were involved in these clubs that made it huge and so they kind of just used that that system kind of like a used car salesman system or whatever and they and they used it for promoting their schools um so the interesting thing was i was i don't want to say i was a victim of that Mm -hmm. but the marketing worked on me Mm -hmm. you know and it was uh it was very personable it was very more like hey i have this martial arts school you want to come join you know and it was like you know what are you doing you know what do you do for shape you know it was very like 
even my mother said, you know, that guy's, I like that guy. He's really loud. You know, yeah. and I was like, okay, what does that mean? You know, he's kind right. of a jerk too, but I'm just kidding. Yeah. But, um, so that was their personality. They were very extroverted and stuff and they had their systems. Um, but I understood, I understood it because they were trying to build an army, you know, they're trying to build a group. But for me, it was like, that's not what I wanted. I wanted it to be organic. I wanted people to be attracted to it because they love the art. I wanted it to be something that kind of grew like a brother brotherhood on the mats, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you don't you don't know what you're gonna get. It's like you don't know who's gonna stick or who's gonna be around or who's gonna walk through the door tomorrow. That may that may add to whatever it is that you're doing, you know. So to me it's the um I really love creating the environment for people to do their stuff right so like um making it a place where i can help serve people and give them the tools that they need to do what they you know so that they could do the work themselves Mm -hmm. um so that's kind of like for me what i had to do differently from my teachers was um not come from what I've learned and say like so kind of how they market it was I we do karate this is our art this is how great it is and then Mm -hmm. you must do it right so it was kind of like strange in that way like a cult Mm -hmm. but they would say we're not a cult but then again (laughs) they say you're not a cult exactly it could be a personality cult or you know there's something that my wife taught me that was really important is that you can have a group that if the leader wants power over everyone or if they want power with right so right. like i see my job is to not control or power or to have power over people but to learn about myself and give people the tools so that they can take control of them their their, their own lives and themselves right? right so martial arts isn't meant to be like a church or a way to solve your problems but as tools so that you can look at it and reflect mm-hmm. and, and make your own decisions it's it's just to be a it's it's meant to be a guide right yeah. and and not um like like bruce lee would say it's like it i'm i'm not the giver of truth mm-hmm. i only point in the direction so you can find your own truths like Ooh. that's how i i like to see it mm-hmm. you know in that that's what i love about martial arts because what changes over time are not the lessons right the lessons stay the same the techniques stay the same the the theory stays the same what changes over time is the person right so just think of yourself before you start your journey in training Mm -hmm. who that person was and then not don't compare your your journey to his or to yours or to mine but to yourself who who that person was and what they knew compared to now mm-hmm. and like i don't want to know that old guy mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah. like i don't even want to know the the guy i was last year because that's not who i am mm-hmm. you know martial arts isn't just about r- information it's about transformation mm. so now i understand that i'm not selling karate information i'm i'm giving you the opportunity to change your life Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's up to you to do the work. Mm. So, but I'm here to support you. You know, anyone that's here to train, I I can support. You know, mm. um, the only people that can't train are people that hurt themselves or hurt others. Mm-hmm. Definitely. 
that's why I wrestled in my approach with like martial arts is at first it was like well I'm just doing this you know to for health and wellness and then because um, I didn't really have any background in it or any uh, really influences in it other than listening to, like Joe Rogan right um, my friend introduced me to him and then he'd talk about like jujitsu and and stuff like that and then I learned about like the book of five rings of Masashi and oh, wait a minute, this is kind of cool. And I would do it, and I would do it to buy time, health and wellness, and then um, all of a sudden it was something more than that. Like I was like, uh, which I've experienced in other disciplines as well, which is like working on myself mm-hmm. in that sense. It's like through through this act of controlled play, I learned um, how to wrestle with like um, the ebb and flow of aggression and passivity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, taking people's momentum and... and allowing them to take me for the ride or you know um, putting aggression towards them and then like creating boundaries and allowing them to set boundaries and just pushing back and forth and then competition and like um, but through through doing martial arts I would go back and forth like okay if I'm gonna do this I'm spending more and more time doing this so am I gonna try to be the best like the best martial artist that I can be mm-hmm. and in relation to people who are competing at my weight and I'm like well as I would do that, I'm like, no, it's not really that, because, I mean, if that didn't happen, right, like, best relative to them, that's not that important to me. Like, if I were to think about the hierarchy of my values, but better than I was yesterday, I mean, that's something, right? Like, because that, and it, that's exciting. Exactly. Yeah, well, I think the philosophy is what, that's what always drove me, right? So, mm-hmm. like, for instance, once you get to a point when you get older, you can't always fight. You know, you 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 have to slow down. You have to kind of uh, maybe change your approach, or or you know, for, n- for now, I'm I'm kind of thinking of things as the long game, right? Like I I want to do it for longevity. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to train um, so that I'm around 30 years from now and not handicapped mm-hmm. or. Right. Or you know, not at my full capabilities, whether it's mentally, spiritually, or physically. So I think that is like for me, like I'm 47, and and I was like 10th Planet started on October 1st, and yeah. mm-hmm. I'm, I'm the only student that attended every class. Yeah, I, I like put in like like 32 hours on the mats That's and, so awesome. and did the seminar of four hours. So I have like 36 hours in the last two weeks and, and I'm still, and I didn't die, yeah. <laughs> which yeah. is cool. I mean, I'm sore and I'm, I'm hoping you guys brought some of that recovery lotion, but, <laughs> yeah, we did. but for sure it's like, but the, you know, that's something that I think people can do it. Right. It's like whatever we set our minds to, whatever we, um, you know, I look at like, like even ranks, right? In, mm-hmm. in martial arts, it's just a, it's a, it's not just about achievement, but about setting goals, right? Like, yeah. but if we focus or hyper focus on the next stripe or the next level, sometimes we miss like where we're at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the one of the things that I love most about my martial arts training is it it forces me to be present. Mm-hmm. It it forces me to not just learn from the past and my mistakes, um, but also not to just look towards the future, right? Like, what could I do tomorrow? It's like, uh, if we're present, it, everything is now, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So 
there's definitely something to be said for that because what they do in like archery right is when you're shooting archery your whole goal essentially is to get bullseye right mm-hmm. um but they have this thing called like a sh- uh, it's like shot panic right mm-hmm. um and it's where you're focusing on because with archery uh specifically like compound bow right you're gonna you have sequences there's a whole shot sequence and it's simple because the shot sequence cannot change. The pins on the um, on the bow are relative to your posture, and so if your posture changes slightly, then the pins are not properly set up, and you're going to miss. So if you were to hyper focus um, on the bullseye, you lose all the process. You you start tensing in your in your muscles. You rely on your muscles, and then you're likely to miss. So what you do is is you create the sequence where it's like uh, raise the bow. And then draw back, retract, or uh, squeezing your scapula, mm-hmm. and then you would bring your hand to your cheekbone, and then set and level your level your peep. They even have a little bubble level on it, and then allow your um, your sights to be on the target. And the funny thing about that is, is you don't hold it where it stays on the target because if you do that, you're tensing. You allow it to float, and you just relax, mm-hmm. and you just stay in the moment. And then you count, which is what they call a surprise shot. Because if you are going to say, okay, pull the trigger now, you, you tense. And this, this happens like repeatedly. So you would do count to six. You one, two, three, four, five, six. And you're slowly retracting the scapula. Boom, surprise shot. And those are people who can uh, hit a target from like 120 yards consistently every time. Even the guy who can do like throw up a penny and he can hit a penny from a distance. And he's even just letting the pin float. And you see that with like that present state awareness, mm-hmm. and like when you're flowing and grappling, or even karate. Yeah, well, I yeah, it's like being in the zone, right? Mm-hmm. It's like um, I think our minds are are something that you know we put in the work. It's we could accomplish what we want, right? Like, and uh, kind of a little bit earlier, what we were talking about in our conversation before, uh, as far as martial arts go, is like we learn it we do it and teach it right so like everything that we do as humans right Mm -hmm. Um, is if if we're doing that then we then everything that we do goes on to the next generation and i think uh i think that's the cool thing is you know like doing something doing the work now so that others can learn from it in the future right you know i think when when we you know i've like that's one thing about my own journey is there's times when I've been selfish and I've done it for myself and for my own goals, but then there's other times when I've known I've been there for my students and I've given myself and given to others um, because I know it's doing good for everyone, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, I think the idea of leaving those future generations, I mean, like when you see kids, right? Like your kid, like doing jujitsu or doing artwork or or uh, or playing mu- music. You know that that's to me what's great, right? Is seeing um, seeing it help other people and bring happiness, um, proper uh, prosperity and happiness is really what we get from training, right? So to me, that's what's really valuable. Yeah, that's the thing I've experience with my son um was when i was growing up uh, my mom mainly like what our relationship would compose of is she'd get off of work and we, we might watch a movie together we'd eat dinner together right and dinner was awesome i love eating dinner with my mom um however w- the only kind of struggles that we ever that we would have were like uh financial struggles which 
or communication struggles between her and I, right? Um, and I didn't, I felt like I didn't get to know my mom as much as I do with my son. And when I share these experiences with my son, whether we're backpacking in the wilderness and he's, you know, having the time of his life and having a really hard time, or in like martial arts when I'm trying to help him teach technique, right? And, or he gets something and we share in that experience. Like he overcomes a challenge, essentially. Um, it's those moments that I bond with people. Like, I've never been so close with another human being, is when I'm trying to collectively like learn something or helping them learn something or receiving help myself and then reveling and overcoming those challenges or even the, in the defeat hmm. and then regrouping. And in those moments, like my son and I have, have bonded in, in ways that, that I try to aspire to bond with my mom now mm-hmm. before it's too late. And so it's informed me to where like maybe she doesn't do martial arts, but what kind of challenges are we mutually interested in participating in? And how can I initiate that? Mm-hmm. And you see that even like as, you know, as teachers, for instance. Well, yeah, just getting people to communicate, mm-hmm. right? To, uh, just I think that over time, like, as a martial artist or as a teacher, you spend a lot of time observing people and watching their body language and how they communicate and a lot of things, especially on the mats, it's unspoken, right? Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to always have a conversation about your intentions or the impact of what you're doing. Um, I, I love what you said about the relationship with your mother because I think a lot of us have feel the same way, right? Mm-hmm. Like. I came, my parents, like, I've known them my whole life, and they remind me, like, I <laughs> known you, how old are you, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, you're this year old, and I've known you for this long, but they also won't share things with you mm-hmm. that happened back in the past until, like, years later, right? Yeah. So, like, you know, my wish would have been that my my parents or my family were able to communicate with me at the time Mm -hmm. because then maybe my life would have been easier you know maybe the the financial struggles that they had and that I have could have been better Mm -hmm. if we communicated or educated ourselves at the time Mm -hmm. right so like I think um I think that's one reason why martial arts was I was so attracted to it more so than like high school and college Mm -hmm. um because I'm still learning, but I'm learning at my own pace and in, in, in subjects that I'm really interested in, mm-hmm. right? Or, or I develop. So, yeah, I like it. Yeah, that reminds me of what you said before. It's like always thinking, like, because you don't, like, you know, working a nine to five, you go there, you don't want to be there. It's like, but is that you being lazy? Or is that just like, well, you're not being lazy because when it comes to, like, jujitsu or karate, like, we, we work really, really hard for it. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like just, finding those things that pique our interest and doing those things like and working really hard at it it's uh, seeing the contrast is really interesting as well mm-hmm. on that so yeah that's the thing like I've um, wrestled with looking at people in my life and people that I admire and people that that still fear in me which is like I'm living a, a life of it's harsh, but like mediocrity. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean in the sense of like, oh, look how much money they have, or, you know, look at all the things that they own. Um, I mean, sure, that might, it's important to some people, I suppose, but like, well, <laughs> that's the trick, is like, I would say that, you know, that's, that's materialism, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but 
what what is how would I measure um, the road that I'm going like what a quality of life looks like to me right because I mean some people have family that's it and I can't I don't pass any judgment but for my own sake like is it family is it money is it you know what is it and through these pursuits I start to understand like almost uh, pulling like stripping away layers and layers of clothing Mm -hmm. until I'm like um, it's not you know being like top 10 or something like that Mm -hmm. it's it's more than that because if I wasn't top 10 is is that happiness and yeah of of course it is and when I'm doing like going to work right I would ask myself like oh I I gotta come back here even if I'm like well it's not so bad you gotta be here you gotta really enjoy it right and I I love that mentality Uh, however I love that mentality with the thought of okay let's now let's try to structure my life while I'm you know making the best of it in ways that excite me and that's the thing that I thought about was like I look at these and I'd meet people in the restaurant industry. Um, some people love being chefs, right? And I don't put any hate on them. But I'd meet some individuals and they're in their like, 40s and 50s. And they're just like, well, I really wish I would have done this. Yeah. And that scared me. Regret. Yeah. Yeah. And That's horrible. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, how do, you, how do you measure that you know, as, as, a, as a person going forward? Not to avoid it, because regret's inevitable, right? Because we all have some experience of that and it seems excitement though yeah sure i mean i think i think that whatever it is that you do mm-hmm. y- you have to value your time right so like work work could be a job or it could be play or it could be like i think that however you put your mindset towards what you're doing you'll you'll receive from it right so like there's been you know I've owned my own business for like 18 years and a lot of people are like I'd have parents come up to me who work at like Microsoft and they would say like you're living the life and I was like 20 you know like 10 years younger than them and I'm like yeah you're right but I'd also be struggling you know like I'd be you know that you know they may make like a, a lot more money and and they would even, you know, some of my students that work at Microsoft, you know, they'd even say, like, you should be teaching martial arts on the top of a mountain, and it should all be free, mm-hmm. and you should be, like, a Zen master, like, <laughs> monk. And I'm like, F you, dude. <laughs> like, yeah, like, no, I want to, you know, a, a house and a car mm-hmm. and food. Like, yeah. why should my job be where n- no one gets money you know yeah, what i mean yeah. why 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 is it that people at microsoft get paid what they do mm-hmm. you know what i mean like I, so to me it's about beliefs it's it's about value you know um principles and that type of thing and i think a lot of times what happens i i learned this from um you know that sometimes you meet people or teachers or mentors in your life and and you spend a short time with them but they make a huge impact right like yeah, john yeah. danaher had yeah, said the yeah, exact same yeah. thing about dean lister right with yep. with why would you ignore 50 percent of the whole body <laughs> um so for me i had a mentor um like last year I, I we've had a business for 18 years but it was the first year that we took some money and invested in our own education and business because we've been just doing it on our own and sometimes we're successful and sometimes we're not and Mm -hmm. but we've had a lot of help so i had a mentor um come in and give us a lesson and he had taught in huge companies um his name's jason tyne Mm -hmm. he um he does like these huge um 
events where the, he gets top speakers like Gary Vee and Tony Robbins, and he's on stage with them. Wow. And he, I got to spend like a, a two hours with him where he taught like a small group of 20 people, and then a one-on-one with him where we just talked about something for an hour, and I was just like blown away. But the main lesson that he, he talked about was that most things are a battle between your spirit and your ego. Mm. And when they're not in alignment is when you have things that, like the universe doesn't go your way, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, the way he framed it was that the chance of you being born is, like, one in four trillion, right? So it's not a good chance. And then the other thing was um, the chance that, like, for instance, the three of us... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At this time of day, mm-hmm. on this date, even though we made an appointment, right. mm-hmm. would be in the same place at this time. Like, what are the chances? And the, the chances of that are even less, right? Like, think about it this way. We didn't know each other, like, a couple months ago, yeah. right? Like, yeah. you know, like, I remember the Evolve fight night, and your mm-hmm. son was running around. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> like, you know, it's like, this is really cool. So, I mean, that battle of spirit and ego, you know, when I thought about it, it's like I, I, he put it in a way that kind of made me understand, like, some of those internal struggles that I would have that, like, um, when, you know, reflecting and seeing, you know, is this the right decision? Is this the right path that I'm on? Um, so it was definitely one of those lessons that, um, I just kind of kept away and, and kind of kept like working on it, right? Just keep just set it aside, think about it, and and in those times, like when you have free thought, like when you're driving and mm-hmm. and you're alone, or if you're in the shower, and <laughs> and those those types of times when I think it's important that you like spend time on your own thinking. Mm-hmm. Do you are you involved with the Aikido that's here as well? Um, the Aikido teacher that's here has been, um, I've, I've trained with her at times and shared stuff. Like I've known her for like 20 years. Um, interesting thing is, is she lived here 20 years ago and her, I taught her daughter when she was like five and she, and we like, the, the cool thing is, is her teacher is also a karate master. Oh, nice. And, nice. Which is really weird is that he's <laughs> like, does this real rare form of karate, but also was trained under the founder of Aikido. And he holds a uh, Menkyo Kaiden, which is basically um, translates to certificate of full proficiency. So he's only one of the, li- he's one of the living people that hold the Menkyo Kaidem from Ueshiba Morohe, which is the founder of Aikido. Oh. So her, that's her teacher, and he's um, Roy Suenaka in South Carolina. Um, so her and I have, like, shared information. I taught her to kick and <laughs> punch a little bit back in the day, and funny thing is she she would train with her Aikido people, and she would strike them, and they would tell her to calm down. Really? Like, <laughs> you're too rough. Like, she's... Uh, but yeah, she's like um, very experienced. So I've I've worked with her. I don't currently train with her um, right, right, because right. I'm kind of pursuing, you know, I'm teaching karate a lot and k- trying to keep that alive, but also pursuing no gi jiu jitsu is kind right. of mm-hmm. what I've been focusing a lot of time on. Awesome. Um, but I really think that it's, you know, it's 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 a good style, like especially how she approaches it. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, yeah, because I noticed, like, it's really cool. It's not just karate here. It's not just jujitsu. Like, there's a, a whole variety of martial arts going out of here. Mm-hmm. I think it's really cool. Yeah, that was something that we've we've kind of always had. Some of it was out of necessity. Like, I've had groups come in and rent the space just for us to pay the rent and mm-hmm. that type of thing. Mm-hmm. So, but um, But what we've tried to do is have the instructors kind of... So we kind of switched our name from like Academy of Koi Kan Karate Do to Koi Kan Martial Arts Academy, and the kind oh, of okay. the the reasoning was so that we could kind of have a just different approach. Well, like so, this is almost like the house of peace and prosperity mm. versus just a style. So okay. like Koi Kan actually translates to house of peace and prosperity, mm-hmm. and right, right. so what I think about is the the other arts like wrestling um aikido defensive tactics jujitsu karate that people are all coming here for the same reasons we're just all doing it a different way yeah it's kind of like um the there's a there's an aikido lesson about the mountain and the river right and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say it word for word just because i haven't looked at it in a while but like the the mountain doesn't look um lowly on the river because it's not as big and and the river doesn't like look bad on the mountain because it can't move about Hmm. so one is not and one isn't greater than the other they're just Hmm. different yeah and Mm -hmm. it's kind of like with martial arts it's like we're all trying to get to the summit we're just not all going the same path for sure Um, it's just the ones that quit that we need to connect with yeah it's like you know it's like that to me that's the the riddle i've always wanted to solve is like how how do you motivate people that have lost motivation you know, mm-hmm. for whatever it is they're doing like i think that's those are the questions that are important to you is like you know come back to training yeah um, what, what do you find is effective uh tools uh, you know, this is cool. I'm I'm glad you asked that yeah. because um, when I got married, uh, I got married in a traditional Shinto shrine, and um, the 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 priest was also an Aikido master, and he we had talked about martial arts, and he he has a very large system and lots of students in, in different countries and things, and um, we had talked about that, and he said, you know, once people leave Budo or quit training. Mar- the martial way they rarely come back mm-hmm. and so that you know he talked to me about that like 17 years ago and I've been asking myself that question <laughs> a lot and so what I what I've come up with is that I had to change or you know how and I'd ask people questions you know why'd you quit because I was tired of getting my ass kicked and say <laughs> you know so then you know it doesn't mean I'd make it so, make it easier but just mm-hmm. you know try to design things in a way that people just understood what it is that they're doing try to try to make it more clear um make it so that they that it could be you know i just want to share what i love about it right not necessarily make people do what i do because mm-hmm. i because that's not realistic but just share the things that that it helps me with so for me i, I love it. it helps me mentally you know, it's it's something that um, it's helped me communicate. 
like I was always shy. Um, I would like use alcohol to talk to people, and, uh, yeah. and you know it helped me quit drinking. I've been sober for like eleven years. Oh, oh nice. Um, so, and it's given me a voice, you know, and, and confidence to speak about something. And you know, when I first started, I'd be afraid of saying things wrong, mm-hmm. of you know, of not being like my teacher or not just copying what he did. And then I kind of realized it's about creating relationships with people and helping them figure out what they need, you know? Mm. So that's kind of where I put myself Mm -hmm. is um, not just service to others, but knowing that there's, there's something bigger, right? There's something bigger Mm -hmm. that that needs to happen. So that's kind of how I think about it. When you guys were starting, so when you guys took over, were you moonlighting? Like, were you, did you have other work? Oh, yeah. Yeah, tons of other work. So, like, um, I was, uh, at the time, like, my my teacher at the time, like, he had me work for him part-time. This is, like, in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. And then he fired me. Because what? He fired <laughs> what? me, and he's like, you're not bringing enough students. So, basically, he would give me, like, 200 bucks a week, and then every person that I'd sign up, he their first month, I would get 100 bucks. Mm-hmm. And I think in two years, I only brought in like six people off the street because I thought it was, I thought it wasn't fair, you know, I was Mm -hmm. like, hey, I should get credit for all the people that walk in, that Mm -hmm. call, you know, that I sell, make the sale. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it was only people that I would like go to the pizza place and like talk to them awkwardly and be like, hey, you want to come to my dojo? And I'm like, Mm -hmm. no, they didn't want to come to the dojo. (laughs) They just wanted to like do their job or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've been a cook. I've delivered papers. I've been a, a, I've worked in the shipping department. I've taught at preschools. Uh, I um, taught at a Japanese immersion school. What? Um, Yeah, I taught PE. I probably shouldn't have, but (laughs) I did that for about two years. Um, I sold stuff on eBay. Um, Mm -hmm. I still kind of do that part-time. What else have I done? That's pretty much it. Wow. But, like, whatever it takes, right? Like, you just... Like, I would work if I had to. Like, usually it was times... um, when my wife couldn't work like she does massage therapy Mm -hmm. so if she got pregnant or whatever and couldn't work then i would take up an extra job if i had to Mm. um but for the most part it's been martial arts and um yeah it's been good i wouldn't change any of that stuff so it's It's all worth it isn't it yeah i mean it's all worth it i think of like all the people i've worked with all the the good times bad times like positive Mm -hmm. like there's been a lot of adversity. I mean, it's not easy. You know what I mean? Like, having an academy is not easy. I mean, there's also a time when, you know, like, where I was I was actually living there mm-hmm. for a, a short time. And That's what I always wonder is, like, why people don't, like, double down and live. <laughs> uh, you got mats. Yeah, yeah. We, sleep um, anywhere. We actually... Um, we would do it, mm-hmm. you know, if like, but it would have to be a, a place where you like own the property yeah, and could build it out and like live on top. I and mean, we used to have those delusions of grandeur all the time of like <laughs> yeah. building like the Taj Mahal dojo and having mm-hmm. a retreat center. And like, I think, I think um, people that own martial arts schools kind of go through that process. Mm-hmm. But really, what I think made it more useful, and I think this goes back to 
um, where you're at, right? Like, is we just kind of made the decision to like let's make let's make where we're at the best place it can be, mm-hmm. right? Like, it doesn't have to be somewhere else, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't have to be a a beautiful space in Hawaii or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right, even though right. that sounds really good. Um, so that's what we did. Instead of thinking about what we didn't have, we thought about what we did have and making that the, the best we possibly could. Right. Right. Does that so. go back to that process mindset that you were talking about earlier. Um, like it was just like focusing on like, you know, here and now, as opposed to the before. And then that thing that's up in the future, you just work on making this the best that you can. Like, this next step is the most quality step you're about to take. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think that's where that, kind of comes from Mm -hmm. but I think that you know it's but things come up right like this crazy stuff happens in your week like this week we got a flat tire and normally that would be okay you know you just take care of it and Mm -hmm. keep going but what about when the flat tire like when the donut doesn't work and you can't get the tire off and then it's in like then you have to take a lift to school and to get your kids to to school and for you to go to work and then you have to rent a car and then you have to buy spend 800 bucks on on all new eight hundred dollars on all new tires instead of just one it's like stuff happens Mm -hmm. yeah um but yeah i think being present like what what i want to do is be present to heal the past and improve the future right so like still about learning about my mistakes and acknowledging you know where i'm at so that i can be better Mm -hmm. um and you know hopefully that inspires people but i also know like people got to do what they got to do yeah that's something that i'm trying to incorporate with my son because when i was a kid i'd go through school right um and i just didn't i didn't get it i understand like we've talked about before um before the podcast was like learning contexts right and like how kids learn however when i was in school i was like oh i can't wait to go home and you know play video games um so and i'll hurry up and get this thing over with right um or watch like a really cool movie and i didn't even realize though ironically enough video games are essentially the same thing because you're simulating learning a new experience and then overcoming said challenges because there's goals but the goals are set for you and then you know defeating the boss um but however when i was in school i all that time it wasn't very constructive for me but with my son and i always wonder if that's like a developmental process also for for kids as to where like they you know they could rebel against something um to figure out exactly what they want plus a lot of hormones you know Mm -hmm. um but with my son how can i frame it that way like this isn't they're not just teaching you you know math and english so that you can get an, an a um or that you can be like the best in the class and whatever that means, right? And mm-hmm. even if you don't like these subjects, that's like literally life is here's a challenge, um, walk into the unknown, uh, attempt to overcome said challenge and grow. And the excitement is, well, pursuing that, that challenge or going mm-hmm. off into the unknown. And that's even when you like, you have uncertainty because you, you open up or you take ownership of a dojo, right? Um, or even before and you're helping teach and you're just trying to make it all work. And then problems start to arise, and those problems are like learning um, new new katas or mm-hmm. uh, you know new moves in, in jujitsu or in sure. karate. And like as you get better at dealing with those, it's just like as you get better at integrating those techniques and executing them. And the same in school, though, is where like you, you're not just learning to read; you're learning to learn. <laughs> and this scenario might not be the best scenario, 
but let's try to figure out how to make it the best scenario. Because if you make it the best scenario here, no matter where you're at, whether it, whether it's like hell or <laughs> if it's like the best place you could imagine, right? You have the skills to create the most exciting scenario that you can. Because I mean, there's always like a little nugget of something and that's like step one. And then 10 steps down the line, you're somewhere that you were that unimaginable. And um, you can't, the, the reality that I've experienced anyways is that like, just like the flat tire, right? You have no control over that. And you have no control over a lot of things. You, maybe even you're in a place where you have like a teacher, right? It's a less than ideal teacher. Um, for like is it in a dojo mm-hmm. right? you're like in some you know a small town and that's the only place within miles and it's like well how do we make this scenario the best and if we can do that here you can do that anywhere and kids it's harder because kids you can't just say that yeah and well i mean that's the thing too is like i mean it, it really depends on your schooling mm-hmm. right like what what type of school you're in and what type of learning you have um I've had, I've had teachers that I didn't like, mm-hmm. but I still learn from them. So sometimes, you know, even myself, I've mm-hmm. taught people, and maybe they didn't like me, but they learned something. You know, mm-hmm. they could have learned what to do or what not to do. I mean, um, it's probably best to be more specific mm-hmm. as far as like what it is you're learning. But I think the the thing nowadays is that we're grow- we're in an age where our kids are learning things that we just weren't capable of learning at the time and they have technology and ideas that that are far superior than what we had (laughs) available to us um so uh, to me the challenge is how are we going to engage these kids in a way where they are learning some of the like real life things that we that humans do right Mm -hmm. Um, versus just gamifying everything, you know, it's like, like, sometimes, like, I think there needs to be both, right? Mm-hmm. There needs to be um, hands-on, like, learning, but there also be, needs to be um, things that we, that we progress and move forward, not, not only in our technology, but how we treat each other, what we care about, what we believe. And I think it's we need to just wake up, right? Like, not all not all of us will, and mm-hmm. that's that's okay. But um, but like I think what is it? 2020, we're gonna have um, more 18 year olds vote, vote than we ever have. Wow! And it's gonna these kids are gonna be the one that really makes the changes. Mm-hmm. And um, it to me, it's a, those those kids are doing the work, mm-hmm. and they are they are. In certain high schools, I mean, they're they're progressing ahead of their teachers. They're doing some some kids I know are doing work that f- superior than people that are getting paid at jobs and they're interns. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, and they're making the money and doing everything, mm-hmm. but they're not getting the credit, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I think um, you know, martial arts is a progressive way of learning. Even though in traditions, I think it's just it, you know the hands-on, the learn as you go, the developing an art you know I think that's important like I, th- I think the you know as humans we still have to pass on what we know mm-hmm. right like even our mistakes right like the the the, the Kano Jigoro uh, Jigoro Kano sensei said and Ju- the founder of judo that 
um, it's important for the student to learn from the mistakes of others because you can't possibly learn from your own. Yeah. And I think if we forget the past, then we're, we will repeat it. And mm -hmm. I, I think we should do what Elon Musk says and <laughs> Elon Musk and, and, and get into space. Mm -hmm. I want Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah I want I Star mean, Wars yeah. too. Some pew, Wars pew. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Not Space Force, but <laughs> Star Wars, <laughs> like real Star Wars. <laughs> Yeah, I agree, and, and it's interesting with that with children because that's what I experience like with video games. Uh, at one point, I stopped playing them because it's all I did when I was younger. Before you know, like athletics, um, I would just play video games, go to work, go to school, and repeat all of that. And then when I had my son, I didn't really have much time for that, but I'd still like sneak it in there. Uh, I'd, I'd take away a little bit of sleep for it, and I was always. Or I was frequently unsatisfied because it was like once I beat this game, then I go and buy a new one. Like it wasn't, um, it wasn't as exciting, right? Because eventually, like you play, uh, I don't know if you ever played like any RPGs where they have like uh, like Skyrim, right? Yeah, All the caves sure. can get redundant after a while. It's like just like slight alterations. However, I love it to death. But when you play it so much, you can either you can quickly like pattern chunk it out, mm -hmm. and even like the quests, like they have like fetch quests where it's like go get this. Or go kill this, and then you play like that, and then a Borderlands, which is a shooting RPG. I love Borderlands. By yeah, the way. I know it's uh, my favorite. One game. of the ones I've been playing with my son recently, and it's it's been helping him with his uh, small motor coordination for drawing. Um, is but that was the same one. It was like the fetch quest, so I could play those in small small quantities. But when I would play it like six hours a day, um, I it would eventually get monotonous for me. Um, and then I started getting into doing like the things in real life, which is funny, as a side note, is that I liked RPGs the best. Like, I didn't really like driving ga or racing games very much, unless they're, like, drifting. Mm -hmm. um, but in real life, what I found is, is I actually like to go in the backcountry, and I like to go and explore the wilderness and all things that, like, mirror the simulated experience of what that was. And That's I was like, awesome. so I could just look at all the video games that I like to play or my son likes to play and figure out how to map that on and do that thing in real life. Um, but the video games, when I played Final Fantasy, uh, I played Final Fantasy X when I was a kid. And they had, like, subtitles and you have to read through all this text. Well, I loved the video game. I, with book reports, I'm ashamed to admit, at that time, when I was in, like, elementary school, Cliff Notes. Yeah. All, sure, all the time. I, we all did that. it. Yeah, I we did all that. did it. And I would just skim through it, not you know, not incentivized, not interested. Um, but I'd play Final Fantasy, and I'd have to read all of this. I was so enthused. Final <laughs> Fantasy taught me how to read, and taught me how to read really well. And it wasn't because I wanted to read by any means. I just wanted to play the game. So it's it's interesting, like the implications now, looking back on it. I take my son out and do like the backcountry, and he could do five to ten miles in a day. Ten miles is really pushing it. Um, I've been with him on seven, I know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And like, I want to share these experiences with him. But if I take it back and I take him into like a Skyrim, right, uh, or even a Borderlands, I'm essentially simulating those experiences while he's not kind of capable of doing it to its fullest extent. He can't come ice climbing with me or trad climbing, but I can do it in a video game and show him like, you know, at least partially the joy out of it and expose them to it and then introduce them to the real life thing but like you see that with with kids um how much they're exposed to these high level concepts despite the limitations and i found it interesting like the implications on learning 
because you do see these kids now at like young ages and they know a lot yeah i think i mean some of it is you know just the accumulation of knowledge or i mean we all have everybody has access to google Mm -hmm. for the most part but that doesn't mean that they should be looking at it or that they should be experiencing it i mean but it also doesn't mean that they shouldn't experience that stuff in real life Mm -hmm. and be able to make mistakes you know like i think that that the the fine line is between like becoming addicted to something mm-hmm. and not being in control of what it is. I mean, you can get a- addicted to good things too, mm-hmm. right? Like like martial arts or or anything, Overuse you know, any art injuries. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but just just being in touch with whatever it is that you want to experience, and then having a kind of enthusiasm for it, right? Mm-hmm. Like. Um, whatever it is whether it's virtual or or real life like Mm -hmm. I think the most important thing is is if there's connection right Mm. so like nowadays people meet online and they date Mm -hmm. but they have the same complaints right like I mean it's just people right it's like why do we have to keep having the conversation about bars and where people meet and they, mm-hmm. you know it's, people meet where they're at yeah. you know mm-hmm. what I mean it's like it doesn't matter and, um, but nowadays everything's more global right you can have friends that you've never met but feel as cl- like I have people on Xbox Live that I've been friends with with for since it started yeah. that we played like Star Wars Battlefront <laughs> Call of Duty and all these games um and we've talked together and had our conversations. Like I, I realized, like over the years, like I know these guys better than I know some of my <laughs> friends yeah. that I would call friends in real life. And I'm like, this is real life. Yeah. Who mm-hmm. cares that we're on a headset? You know, yeah. it doesn't matter. It's like these guys are all on my Facebook now, and mm-hmm. they're awesome. I should do a shout out to Money X. Money X. Money, Money X. X. <laughs> what up? <laughs> I'll, I'll put this in our um, our secret um, nerd. Facebook group on video games. Yeah, nice. yes. All my Xbox Live friends, and they'll be like, "What the hell?" It's funny. It's funny. I always think about from the other point of view. They're probably like, "Dude, we play Xbox Live with like a fifth degree black belt." Karate. They make fun of me all the time. <laughs> yeah, they, really, yeah. they they like tease me and stuff. Yeah, but here's the best part: you could kick their ass <laughs> or choke them. Yeah, or choke them. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, one of them said he messaged me on my Facebook, and he's like, "We should do some FaceTime." <laughs> like martial arts on FaceTime. Oh, yeah. I was like, okay. That'd be, yeah, that'd be really It'd cool. be kind of fun. Yeah. yeah, it might be fun. I mean, they have, what, like, what, Gracie University or something? Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> I, I think something down the line, you know, that, yeah. that, like, there are ways that you could connect with people and teach them. I just have to really develop it and kind of... Um, figure out like how I want to do it Skype Jitsu yeah Yeah. he used to do an open mic uh, a virtual open mic and that was a blast where you had like it was uh, four four video or four screens right Mm -hmm. and inside like this live stream and then everyone else could like watch live and then leave comments and you could like assign two moderators and you can kick people off uh, or allow them to like accept and so we have like a comedian who's in the corner and he'd provide like comedy uh, while these people after these people are performing or you know in interludes mm-hmm. and then my host and I would like just bring people up and it was literally people from all over the world that's really cool and yeah cool. It, it was it was rad I had so much fun with it but that's sick and I always wonder, like, the global implications, too. Uh, however, I don't... I'm trying to read more, like... That's why I wanted to get into, like, the 
um, learning more about like the culture, like martial arts, and exactly where it came from. Because um, the global implications of like being able to play a video game or interact uh, on social media, mm -hmm. uh, and even like uh, read about different cultures, right? Um, it's interesting because like that other mentality that we that we tend to have, where uh, w what you imagine someone to be like, whether it's any kind of demographic you could pick, is like the inheritance of, in, of ignorance, mm -hmm. right? And that's like where, where everything is, a lot of things actually are started over, whether it's like uh, a hate or wars. Um, but it's interesting, like, I interact with, with Russians. And instead of like demonizing like Russia, you know, when we get into this, this issue between mm -hmm. uh, United States and Russia, it's like, no, it's more like Russian government. Mm -hmm. And I've always wondered, like, how does the internet as a whole play into that? Like, where it's more difficult as a country to demonize some other country because that sense of other is arguably uh, minimized. Because you're literally, like, my mom plays, she plays a video game on her phone, and she's interacting with these Thai guys because she happens to work nights. So when she's playing, they're playing too, and she's like, yeah, we FaceTime. I could, like, barely understand them, but they're, like, the coolest people in the they're, world. They're her group, you know, yeah. and it's just, like, her, it, I think that the world being more global is, like, you just find people that you connect with, mm -hmm. right? It doesn't matter where they're from or who they are. It's, like, if they like what you like... Like, I don't want people to think exactly like me mm -hmm. or or any of the mind think. Like, or, you know, it, like, what did Carlin say? It's like, you get a group of people and, like, get me away from them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're crazy. <laughs> and I think, I think that's, you know, it, like, with any group, there is a little bit of that, you mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. uh, crazy. But, um, yeah, I, I like what you're saying on that. I think uh, the... One thing that I think about is being open. Actually, a friend of mine had talked about this because I had thought about the dojo as far as getting to know like who's interested and what what how it best serves people and that type of thing. And what he kind of talked to me about, he, he had worked with a lot of different companies and marketing and that type of stuff, and mm -hmm. he just brought the idea of thinking about it globally, right? Like that what we do here, even though not everyone's going to see it, it can affect someone mm -hmm. on the opposite side of the planet. Like right? They could hear it and it can inspire them to do something or whatever, you never know. Um, so it, just knowing that you know, once you put something down and document it and, and put it there, mm -hmm. that you're taking that risk. But but we are in, a, in an age now where, you know, somewhat, it doesn't matter where people are, they can have access to stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think, for me, when we moved into this place, it was much different than our old space, and it was change. But I made the intention of I wanted I wanted people that want to come from all over the world mm -hmm. to come here. Yeah. You know, and like like four years ago I got the opportunity to teach in Greece and Cyprus. Oh karate. Yeah. Like <laughs> my system flew me out there and I got to spend like fourteen days in Cyprus and Greece and I, it was amazing. I loved it. You know, I, I still wish I could be there. Every time I see them and my friends there, I wish I could be with them. Right. And one day I'll go back, mm -hmm. right? I'll, I'll be able to do that. But but that experience in itself, you know, like I could post a, a, a karate video or something here and my friends in Venezuela and Greece will watch it and like 
I shouldn't say this, but like sometimes like they treated me really well over there. Yeah. They're like really awesome people. And to me, that's what's really cool is mm-hmm. like, like for instance, um, it was like on Instagram, a student, when they found out about 10th Planet Seattle, like someone from Shanghai, 10th Planet was like, next time I, I want to go to Seattle and train with you guys yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And like even um, on my Facebook, one of the, the sensei from Japan was like, I've never been to Washington. I want to come train and go to your dojo. And I was like, what did I do wrong, man? You know, like, am I in trouble? Are they mad? And I was like, no, he just wants to visit. You yeah. know? And that's kind of, I just, in my mind, I put that intention out there and it, it's kind of cool mm-hmm. um, yeah. to see stuff, you know, like to see stuff happen, you know, if you put intention out there, like the universe doesn't know, like, like, don't ask for something specific. Mm-hmm. Just like you can't just ask for money. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's just not how it works. Mm-hmm. It's a joke. That was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, that like there is no there's no such thing as good and bad, right? Mm-hmm. It's like something we created. Yeah. So like whatever you think will happen. So I think the the uh, like positive and negative energy. I think you just just be careful because they're there. Mm-hmm. Right, right. It's like dark side. Yeah. Dark side rocks. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> to the dark side. <laughs> you do that leg lock system. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> leg locks are good. Yeah, they are. You bought the DVDs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've seen some of them. Mm-hmm. I haven't spent all the hours, but got to work some, and it's definitely more painful yeah some of the like austin did some of those on me oh yeah he's like uh he called me i was like dramatic about it but it was painful like (laughs) i was tapping really hard that's how i felt too because i've competed against austin up in bellingham and there's a quick trigger on those on those heel hooks and i've been trying to go for because um Alfred and then one of our other training partners, Jack, they've been watching the DVD really consistently, and I've been trying to stay away from it until they're finished, but working those defenses. Because I figured if I work the defenses, it'll encourage them to like increase their their game, and so by the time that they're ready and they're ready enough to teach it, mm-hmm. then they'll know how to teach it very solid and I'll at least have the defenses so we could exchange. Yeah, right on. That makes sense. But uh, I want to be respectful of your time, Sharif. So uh, where could uh, people find out more about you and more about your dojo? Um, You can look me up um, on our website. It's www.koikonwa.com. I'm also on Facebook, um, Koikon Martial Arts Academy, and on Instagram. Um, and we're located in Bellevue, and we also um, are the home of 10th Planet Seattle um, and other martial arts um, as well. But, yeah, you could look us up online. Thank you, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Sharif, you can find him on Instagram at Sharif Robles. Um, and you could check his dojo out at KoiKanWa.com. That's K-O-E-I-K-A-N-W-A.com. All those links will be in the show notes. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. That was one of my favorite conversations. Man, I love learning more about martial arts and what brings people to it. And if you guys would like to support the show, please remember to subscribe on Overcast, Google Play, Stitcher, iTunes, wherever you happen to listen to it. Thank you guys, and enjoy your week.
ground into the sky, out of the sky, into the dirt.